All right, guys, welcome back to Revive School. Here we are, lesson 12. Kevin, that's it. Do you remember our, our, our one word, Kevin? Commander. Commander. I mean, if you go back to the painting here that Mindy has done, it's an awesome picture of here. The Israelites are at the plains of Moab, right? And then now they've come to, to the Jordan River. They're getting ready to cross over. Like they get a cross over into, yes, a, a river and then onto the promised land. I mean, it goes back to Joshua 3 that he tells everybody, the officers, guys, we've got to break camp. And you know that this message of breaking camp allows people to experience uh, out with the old and in with the new. And that's what they're experiencing. They're walking into a whole new freedom and it, it's, it makes people nervous. And then in the process, you can guarantee you're going to have the commander of the Lord's army with you. That's what I love about the book of Joshua. Every time they go into battle, Joshua has to be thinking, I know he's with me. I know he's with me. And I just think it's a cool picture. And in case he forgot, what did he say? Well, let's put some memorial stones. And in fact, in Joshua, we're going to see at the end here, even talking more and more about these memorial stones. Sometimes it's in front of, remember, a cave to represent five kings that are dead, right? Other times it's stones of disobedience. And sometimes it's stones of uh, memorial of what God has done. And there's just kind of a lot here. And so when you get to Joshua 23 and 24, what you're going to get is, is really two speeches. You know, in Joshua 23, you have what we would consider his farewell address, right? And he's talking through this process about how, you know, I've actually allotted the inheritance. He goes through, uh, you know, really in verse four, he talks about this is one of his roles. I've allotted these remaining nations to you as an inheritance for your tribe. So what was part of Joshua's role? It was part of bringing fulfillment to Moses saying this is your land. But here's the crazy thing. In the book of Genesis, Abraham heard that this was going to happen. And Joshua gets to actually walk out the prophetic word. I mean, that kind of stuff to me. And so he's talking through, he knows that his time is is drawing near. And in verse six, it's the classic phrase. And he's telling him, everybody be strong. And you feel like you should say encourageous, right? Be strong. Like this is the process. And I love this because this is part of his farewell address. And then he says in verse seven, hey, by the way, please, I need you to remain faithful to the Lord. So in two chapters, he begins its it's farewell address. I mean, if you're a president, this is the last speech, whether it's four-year, eight-year term. And then at the very end, he even says in verse 14, Kevin, if you can get there, uh, that would be great. He says, now I'm going the way of all the earth, and you know with all of your heart and with all of your soul that none of the good promises the Lord your God made to you have has failed. Everything was fulfilled for you. Not one promise has failed. Can you imagine Like he gets to say, hey, everything that God's talking about, you're experiencing full fulfillment. And when I think of the book of Joshua, you just think about Joshua and Caleb leading the way. And I don't know, there's nothing more exciting than actually seeing the fulfillment of prophecy. And and if if that terminology, not that it should weird you out, but if you're experiencing the, the fulfillment of God's promises, like you're walking this out. So now that's the first speech. Okay, in Joshua 23, but we're going to kind of really just focus in on Joshua 24, because really what it is, is it's a it's another speech. 
And so here it is in Joshua 24, verse 1. It says, Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel. And look where he, he gathered everybody. At Shechem. Now Shechem, you guys, let's go to the map if we can, Jeff. You know, remember the last couple of days we've been talking about how the, the tabernacle, uh, you know, God's presence. Remember we talked about how he's been moving based on where the tent is. And Shechem is, now, for a while, is in Shiloh and Gilgal, and it kind of just kept moving around. But right now, for this conversation, at the end of Joshua's time, he is in Shechem. Do you guys remember anything about what took place in Shechem? Can you go to Genesis 12, verse 6? So here you have, remember, uh, you will be a blessing to Israel, and you'll be blessed, those kind of things. Look what happened in Shechem in Genesis 12. Abram passed through the land to the side of Shechem, and at the oak of Morah, Moreh, at the time the Canaanites were in the land, verse 7, then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your offspring. Now, this is why I love this. This is why I think sometimes uh, when you're reading through the scriptures, actually take time to learn about the location. In Joshua 24, he assembles everybody together. And at this point, you guys, and he's going to talk about this. And we even talked about this in Joshua 23. They've received the land. So where God showed the promise was going to take place, they're there and it actually happened. I think to me... That shows the hand of God in this situation. This is where the presence of God is. And I revealed myself, and I want to make sure everybody understands this. And it says, and he summoned, can you go back to verse 1? He summoned Israel's elders, the leaders, the judges, and officers. And they presented themselves before God. Even that word judges, everybody was gathered. Now remember, we're nearing the end of Joshua's life. This book is going to transition into tomorrow's teaching, right? Into the book of Judges. And so I, I want you to already be thinking... Near Joshua's death, he's already, there's already some people here getting ready to take the baton. Okay, we're going to just, they're there and they're hearing this. They presented themselves before God. Okay, keep going if you can. In verse 2, Joshua said to all the people, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says long ago, your ancestors. Okay, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor. So we know in Genesis 12, right, God spoke to Abraham. This is where your land is going to be. You're going to receive this land. But now it says long ago, Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and they worshiped other gods. You know what this verse says to me? Praise God, there's hope. Praise God that somebody who's a pagan, somebody who doesn't know the Lord could radically be used for the purposes of his glory. How awesome is that? These men and women, I mean, they're at a key place and they weren't even worshiping the Lord at the time. So can I just tell you, somebody listening right now, I promise you, you have a friend, a family member that you've completely checked off and you're like, there's no way, no way that they could ever come to know the Lord. Or there's no way that my kid who's turned away from the Lord could actually be used by God. Yeah, I bet they said that about Saul too. And I think my point is, is that if God can use a Terah and he can use an Abraham who's worshiping false gods and he can use Saul who's killing Christians, he can use any of us. It's the beauty of Joshua 24. He starts to paint this, this bigger picture. And just so you know, in these first five verses, in verses one through five, you're going to have a historical review. And it literally covers Genesis through Exodus 15. That's what we get in Joshua 24. You know what Joshua 24 does? I'm sorry, I didn't finish that. I didn't write that up there for some reason. Uh, Genesis 11 through Exodus 15. It's a historical review. Why? 
because this is Joshua's last chapter that he's going to talk about. This is his last speech. If there's anything that he could emphasize to his, to his whole family, he wants them to remember. You know, there's a quote here by uh, uh, Nelson's commentary that came from it. It says, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. You can't remember the past. I promise you, you're going to go through it again. And what Joshua is trying to say, hey, guys, by the way, please remember everything that we've gotten gone through to get to this point. Or guess what? It's going to be a cycle. And newsflash, and I hate to cheat, judges is a cycle. You want to know why? Because for some reason they didn't want to listen to these first five verses of Joshua's message. Somebody says this in Nelson's commentary, history is a vast early warning system. I like that if you think about it. Like, what can I learn from the past (laughs) so I don't have to repeat it again? Or what can I learn from the past so that I know God can do it again? Either way you look at it. And so that's what we're beginning to say. He's beginning to unfold. Hey, by the way, in verse 3 of Joshua 24, I took your father Abraham from the region beyond the Euphrates, okay? Led him throughout the land of Canaan and multiplied his descendants. I gave him Isaac. And so, you know, I'm just going to write up some names here, not, not because I'm trying to pull out certain things, but here you have Terah, and that was the father, right, of Abraham. And then it goes to Isaac, right? You see that, and he says, he says, I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. So, I mean, look, look at the progression that he has. This is Joshua talking about his heritage. And so here they are at the, the essential place of all, literally this is it. Shechem is, is one of the heartbeat. In fact, one commentator describes Shechem as Joshua is giving his farewell address as if you were to put Plymouth Rock, some people don't even know what Plymouth Rock is. If you were to put Plymouth Rock, Yorktown, Lexington, and Independence Hall together, you still would not have what Shechem is to Israel. Like this is the system and the place. Like I need you to remember because by the way, this is where it all started. Like this is the prophetic word that God released. And oh, by the way, we're walking it out. And then the scripture just says, and and we're in verse four, he says, I gave Jacob and Esau, I gave the hill country of Seir to Esau as a possession. But Jacob and his sons, you guys, that's when they began to move to Egypt. And then it says in verse five, then I sent Moses and Aaron. And so you just constantly are seeing a progression. And again, I understand completely, like if you're listening to this revived school lesson 12, you're like, God, this is, I mean, I got this. I have this. This is old hat. You know, the craziest thing is if we sat down and talked about this, a lot of us would always still forget. That's just our DNA. It's like for some reason we can't have these memory stones lodged in our heart. It's like it's one of those things. And so Joshua is saying, please, this is my last message. Don't forget this because I'm really concerned. It's almost like he knew. It's almost like he sensed something was coming with a bunch of loose cannons. And so it says in verse 6, and just so you know, as he gets into verse 6, okay, and it's verses 6 through 13, what you see here now is another historical record, and it's really going to cover, uh, it kind of backtracks a little bit, but Exodus 12 to Joshua 22, okay? So basically, this is the time period that you're going to get covered here. I understand there's a little bit of backtracking there. But then it says, when I brought your fathers out of Egypt, so that's where the backtracking comes into. When I brought them out of Egypt, Scripture says, uh, and reached the Red Sea, the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen as far as the sea. You've got to remember, you guys, some of these people, they weren't there. 
And so that's the point of this whole story is I need you to understand, Kyle, that when times are tough, I need you to remember that your dad sat at your Ace Hardware store in 97. I need you to remember that Ace Hardware said, shut your store down. I need you to remember how you prayed through this process and it didn't look good. I need you to remember in 89 when your dad lost his job and you didn't know where to turn. I need you to remember that your dad started driving RVs in order to see something provision for your family. Like I need to remember those stories so that those things carry with me so that I can get through life. And that's what he's saying is that guys, when you come to these Red Sea moments, I need you to remember God was there. The Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen as far as the sea. And it continues on in verse seven. And your fathers, they cried out to the Lord. He put darkness between you and the Egyptians. In other words, God kept showing up miraculously all the time. And he brought the sea over them, engulfing them. Your own eyes saw what I did to Egypt. After that, you lived in the wilderness a long time. Scripture continues on in verse 8, And later I brought you to the land of the Amorites who live beyond the Jordan. They fought against you, but I handed them over to you. You possessed their land and I annihilated them before you. In verse 9 it says, Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab, set out to fight against Israel. He sent for Balaam, son of Beor, to curse you. Scripture continues on, but I, I would not listen. So just a couple of things here to write, and we, we're familiar with this. Here you have the Amorites, and then, Kevin, we've talked about this, but when verse 10 it says, but I would not listen to Balaam. Remember Balaam and the donkey, but he's going into this whole history, history, like getting into this process. Instead, he repeatedly blessed you, and I delivered you from, from his hand. You then crossed the Jordan, and you came to Jericho. So now, now we're getting really relevant. So you crossed over the Jordan. You went into where? You came into Jericho, and the people of Jericho... And remember, this is the people groups that remember in Joshua at the very beginning, he says, I'm going to show you these people, but I'm going to take care of them. He says the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites and the Jebusites. There they are, those Jebusites, <laughs> the lone survivors. I, they fought against you, but I handed them over to you. So these are the scenarios that he's saying, look, guys, this is all that we're experiencing. And this is kind of the point where I don't know if there's a climax, but I really have been praying through this next passage here. Because in verse 12, it says this, I sent the hornet ahead of you and it drove out the two Amorite kings before you. It was not by your sword or bow. All right. So I'm going to write on here in a different color and I want to camp out. And this is going to be a little strange on the hornet today. And Kevin, this is why it's Joshua 24. <laughs> so here's the hornet. OK, what in the world are we even what are we even talking about in the hornet? Kevin, first of all, let's go to Exodus 23, verse 28. I sent the hornet ahead of you and it drove out the two Amorite kings before you. So in Exodus 23, verse 28, it says this. I will send the hornet in front of you and it will drive the Hivites, Canaanites and Hittites away from you. So a couple options. All right. I'm going to give you some options on what do you think the hornet is? All right. I think you constantly see a theme here, right? God is going ahead of us all the time. I mean, fair statement, right? That's just kind of the common theme. Oh, by the way, I'm the commander of the Lord's army. We just see this theme. Okay, Sean, I'm going to give you some options and you get to decide which hornet version you like. Okay. One is it could just be symbolic of the Pharaoh of Egypt. Okay. Uh, symbols were a bee or a hornet. Okay. It could just be a symbolism 
okay, does this make sense, of the Pharaoh of Egypt, okay? I'm just telling you people's options, okay? Whether you like it or not, uh, just run with me here for a second. Okay, Nelson says, it could be a symbol of God's terror or panic among the Canaanites, okay? Uh, you know, those are some of your options. Number three, I mean, it could be an actual hornet. You know, like a, just actually, what's the difference between a bee and a hornet or a wasp and a hornet? Whatever the case is, I think it's fair to say God is for Israel in every case, right? Whatever the option is, we can clearly say God is the one in some form or fashion, whether it's through a hornet, whether it's just through terror, whether it's through an enemy, either way, clearly God is making a way. And then the process is, is that Israel, in regards to the two kings, you know, in Numbers 21, you don't have to go there, Kevin, 21 through 35, you have Sihon and Og, and that Israel was defeated in the, in the wilderness with these two kings. Okay, so this is the process. Now, here, here's where I want to go with this, okay? Can you go to Exodus 23, verse 28 again, just one more time? Okay, the scripture says this, I will send the hornet in front of you. Now let's go to Exodus 23, verse 20, okay? This is why I think this is so fun to me. Exodus 23, verse 20, I'm going to send an angel before you to protect you on the way and bring you to the place I have prepared. Verse 21, be attentive to him and listen to his voice. Do not defy him because he will not forgive your acts of rebellion for my name is in him. Verse 22, okay? But if you will carefully obey him and do everything I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and a foe to your foes. Verse 23. For my angel will go before you and bring you to the land of the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hivites, and Jebusites, and I will wipe them out. Are you tracking with me? So, so I'm getting that the hornet is Christ. Come on. Go to verse 28. Verse 28 says, I will send the hornet in front of you and it will drive the Hivites, Canaanites, and Hittites away from you. You know, one of the things that, I, um, uh, before I go there, let's go to Joshua, if you would. Go to Joshua 5, please. Joshua 5, verse 13. Okay, so we know that he says in Exodus 23, verse 20, he's going to send the angel ahead, right? Is that, that, that true? Joshua 5, 13. I'm going there because this is the end of Joshua, okay? So think about this. When Joshua is near Jericho, he looked up. He saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua approached him and said, and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? In verse 14, neither, he replied. <laughs> That's the worst answer. Come on, give me an answer. I have now come as a commander of the Lord's army. Then Joshua bowed with his face to the ground in worship and asked him, what does my Lord want to say to a servant? Verse 15, the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, remove the sandals from your feet for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now, can you go to Joshua 6, verse 2? Okay, in Joshua 6, verse 2, okay, the Lord said to Joshua, look, I have handed Jericho its king and its fighting men over to you. Right? This is the Lord. This is, this is in reference to the commander of the Lord's army. Are you with me? So in Joshua 5, he says, I am going to, I'm going to do this. I love this. He says, I've handed Jericho, its king and its fighting men over to you. But then when you go into Exodus, it says he's going to send the hornet. But before that, he says, I'm going to send the angel. And the only thing I can keep concluding is, now watch this. This is, this is crazy. Go to Deuteronomy 7, verse 17. Okay. And let's just kind of put all of this together. And I, I, I know this is like in the middle of a, a farewell message. And we're focusing on one word, the hornet. 
But I actually think that this one word can actually summarize all of the book of Joshua. I know we're going with the commander, but I think the hornet can, can come in here and there's something here to this. If you say to yourself, these nations are greater than I, how can I drive them out? Verse 18, do not be afraid of them. Be sure to remember what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh in all Egypt. It continues on. The great trials that you saw, the signs and the wonders, the strong hand and outstretched arm by which the Lord your God brought you out. The Lord your God will do the same to all the peoples you fear. Now, you got to understand this. This is Moses, right? He's getting a word from the Lord, right? That he's going to go ahead of them in all of the peoples that you fear. God said, I got it. That makes sense? So this is that none of the land has happened yet. Okay, now keep going in verse 20. The Lord your God will also send the hornet against them until all the survivors and those hiding from you perish. Come on. Moses is writing about the hornet in verse 21. Don't be terrified of them, for the Lord your God, a great and awesome God, is among you. So if he's sending the hornet ahead and he says, I'm among you, there's a really, really good chance he's putting all this together. Verse 22, if you would. The Lord your God will drive out these nations before you little by little. You'll not be able to destroy them all at once. <laughs> Otherwise, the wild animals will become too numerous for you. <laughs> Love that one. And what I see here is that term. Okay, Kevin, go back to the hornet if you can in Deuteronomy 7. I think it's 20. Or 21, uh, 20, I'll send the hornet. That, that Hebrew term could be, could be in reference to the pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. So when you see now in Joshua 24, Kevin, if you'll go back there for me. Uh, in Joshua 24, I sent the, the, the hornet ahead of you. Like, you guys, we need to understand this message is so important. Because when Joshua dies, they need to know God is with them. The commander of the Lord's army is with them. The hornet, how crazy is that to even say? The hornet is with them. And oh, by the way, he's doing the work. Trust me in this, he says. I just think it's an awesome picture. Again, I think sometimes when we read through Revive School, you read just to say, oh, I read today. Just, man, I'd rather you slow down and look at one verse about a hornet than say you read. Slow down and go deeper. Because when you go deeper, I actually believe you're prepared for more of the land. Scripture continues on in verse 13. I gave you a land you did not labor to, labor for, and the cities you did not build. And though you live in them, you're eating from vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Scripture continues on in verse, uh, verse 14. Therefore, fear the Lord and worship Him in sincerity and truth. Get rid of the God's... Your father, excuse me, worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and worship Yahweh. It, it's just like he's giving him the nuts and bolts. And Joshua is, is he's, he's stripping away all of the other junk, all of the other messages. He says, guys, this is the most important. And he just wants his people to get it. It's kind of like if you could pick when you have your four kids, if you had to pick one message to tell them before you passed away, or if you knew today was your last day, what would you tell them? I promise you, I would probably say, keep your eyes on Him. And I think if we're not careful, I think the church adds to the message. I think we add all this other stuff that doesn't matter. 
And what you see at the end of Joshua's life, and he says this in verse 15, and this is the, the magnet verse on all fridges. This is the, the framed verses behind a couch. <laughs> These are the verses that are, are sewn into blankets. I mean, this is it. And this is what Joshua is saying. He says, but if it doesn't please you to worship Yahweh, choose for yourselves today the one you will worship. How crazy is this, you guys? Joshua started off an interaction with the commander of the Lord's army. And he started saying, hey, whose side are you on? And now he's saying, guys, there's only one side. The gods your father worship beyond the Euphrates River or the gods of the Amorites and who's the land you're living. In other words, you can choose those. But as for me and my family, we will worship Yahweh. Like, there's so much more here in the rest of his message. I mean, it really is. But can I just emphasize, like, he wants you to understand. He wants the Israelites to understand. I don't care whatever else you do, but please worship the living God. And get rid of all of the other stuff that don't matter, that doesn't matter, because that's, you can't bring it with you anyway. And that's what he's saying. He's not talking about, like, your favorite teams. He's not talking about your work. He's not talking about stocks. He's not talking about investments. He's not talking about your landscaping. He's not talking about your house. He's talking about God. And man, he gets into so many details. And I, I just want to say this just in closing at the end of, of Joshua, it just says after he poured his heart out and pouring into worshiping, worshiping Yahweh. In verse 29, it says, After these things, the Lord's servant Joshua, son of Nun, he died at the age of 110. After he poured everything out. And, and the crazy thing isn't just because of time, but like he even talked about a, a memorial stone. I, I probably should go there in verse 27. It's really cool. In verse 26, actually, he says, He recorded these things in the book of the law and of God and took a large stone. How, how fitting is this? That at the very beginning, right? Uh, he, he started off with stones and now he says he took a large stone. He set it up there under the oak tree next to the sanctuary of the Lord. And he said, you see this stone? It will be a witness against us for it has heard all the words of the Lord said to us and it will be a witness against you so that you will not deny your God. And so I just think it's kind of fun and I'm not trying to be funny here. At the beginning of Joshua, it started with what? Multiple stones, right? It was just kind of like, guys, please, please, please. Please don't forget what God's done. Please don't forget. And then he says at the very end, he's like, hey, you see that stone? <laughs> That's the witness. That's going to recall all that I have seen, all that you have seen. And I don't want you to forget it. He's so concerned about the generation forgetting what God has done. And if we're not careful in America, it feels like we're getting close. It feels like somebody is not saying, hey, look at this stone. Look at the stone of all that God has done. And can I just can I just tell you now that stone to me right away, guys, we need to keep our eyes on the real stone. We need to keep our eyes on the rock. And his name is Jesus. Jesus is literally the only person that can carry us through this. And Joshua, after he releases these words, um, this is kind of crazy. Joshua dies. And then after Joshua dies, then you know what? Then Joseph's bones, they get brought up from Egypt. And then after that, in verse 33, Eleazar, as crazy as that is, uh, Eleazar dies. It's like all of the ringleaders dead. And because all the ringleaders are dead, <laughs> it's kind of crazy. There's not a whole lot of people to take the baton. And you're going to see in the book of Judges, yeah, you're going to see some heroes step up, but man, 
It's like all the other heroes. They mess up too, but it's, it's for some reason, um, it's going to go downhill after this. And it goes downhill fast. And Joshua wanted to forewarn those generations, please remember the hornet. Please remember the commander of the Lord's army. Please remember the stone, all that God has done to get us to this point. All right, guys. Um, man, there's so much here on the book of Joshua. I love doing this with you guys. I love walking this journey with you through the Word of God. There's so much that we can learn, so much that we can focus on. And if there's some areas you really want to focus on, please go through Laura's Daily Devotional. Please go through the reading guide, those questions. Please go through these teaching lessons. Whatever it is, please interact with your small groups every week because we want you to go deeper. Revive School is all about why, so we can impact those around us. All right, love y'all, and we will talk to you tomorrow with the Book of Judges. Thanks.